Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The book of Hebrews presents Christians with five serious warnings resulting in falling short of God's reward. But in the midst of these warnings, the Spirit includes a striking portion unveiling the three parts of man. Could this be a clue as to how not to fall short of God's goal? We'll explore this topic on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Ed Marks has returned for another exploration of the riches in the book of Hebrews. And Ed, it's nice to have you back today. It's good to be back for this classic life study of the book of Hebrews. Ed, we have a lot to cover in this particular message today. There's much in front of us, but the first point we want to cover deals with having an evil heart of unbelief. It's interesting, isn't it, that the Lord's definition of evil here is equated with the matter of unbelief. Yes, Chris, and in this particular message, we're going to see how serious unbelief is in God's sight. And we also want to point out how we can be saved from having an evil heart of unbelief. I believe this message today will be very illuminating, very helpful, and even life-changing to our listeners. Ed, in our first section today, we're going to look at the sin that most deeply offends God. And I believe that many of our listeners are going to be surprised to see just what this most offensive sin is. Let's join Witness Lee. An evil heart of unbelief, deserting the living God. No heart is so evil as the heart of unbelief. The most evil thing in the eyes of God is unbelief. Nothing offends God so much as our unbelief. David committed an awful sin. By that one sin, he murdered the husband and he took over the wife. That was a real murder and a real fornication. But that didn't cause God to give up David. But listen to this. The people in the wilderness, they caused God to give them up. Unbelief affront God, insults God. Of course, any kind of sin breaks God's righteous law. No doubt about this. But some of the sins do not insult God himself as the matter of unbelief. To see the evil of unbelief, we have to know why unbelief is so evil. Because unbelief insults 
the living God. God is living. Not only so, the unbelief insults the faithful God. Not only so, the unbelief insults the almighty God. God is living, God is faithful, God is almighty. If we don't believe in Him, if we don't believe in His Word, if we don't believe in His ways, surely this unbelief is an insult to Him. Psalm 103, verse 7. The children of Israel, they saw the works, the acts of God, but they didn't know the ways. Those children of Israel, they were in the wilderness every day. Early in the morning, they saw a big miracle. Wherever they went, whenever they were, every morning, manna was there. Wasn't that the biggest miracle? We should spend some time on Psalm 95 and on Hebrews 3 and 4. Well, it is called today. You have to hear his voice. Don't harden your heart anymore. Due to their hardened heart, God said to them, Banot, that they would never enter into their rest. But in Psalm 95, there was a day promised. A day will come in. In that day, the heaven window will be open again. And that day came in by the time when the church came into being. The writer advised to the Hebrew believers, Brothers, don't have your heart hardened as our fathers. That day should be over. You have to realize today we are in another day, which is called today. Don't get your heart hardened anymore. Take today as a good chance to soften your heart and to hear his voice and be diligent to go on to enter into today. The church today is the Sabbath day. Just by doing this one thing, you will never provoke God. You will never desert. But trust in the living God. Then you will enter into the rest. Out of all the evils that man can and does commit, none is more offensive to God and more destructive to man than unbelief. Hebrews gives us a serious and sober warning about not allowing unbelief to occupy our heart. Why is this such a serious matter to God? Chris, this is a good question, and in answering this, the first thing we have to emphasize is that unbelief insults God. God is living, God is faithful, and God is almighty. And unbelief is an insult to him. Now, why is it an insult to him? I think to see this, we have to look at Hebrews 3, verse 12, where Paul says, Beware, brothers, lest perhaps there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in falling away from the living God. This word falling away means turning away. 
So we can see from this verse how serious unbelief is. Actually, what unbelief does, it causes us to turn away from God. Once we turn away from God, what can God do for us? He can do nothing. Actually, when you look at this verse, what you see is an evil heart of unbelief is exercising our heart to turn away from God, to fall away from God. Once we turn away from God, God cannot do anything for us. This shows how serious this is. An evil heart of unbelief is a hardened heart. That's why in this context, the Lord says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. All of us need to pray this prayer. Lord, have mercy on me, soften my heart, and never allow it to be hardened. We want our hearts to be hearts full of belief. We want it to be exactly the opposite of an evil heart of unbelief. If we're going to have a proper heart, our heart should be in four conditions. We should have a soft heart. We should have a pure heart. We should have a loving heart. And we should have a heart at peace. We should pray, Lord, keep my heart soft toward you so that it can be the rich, soft soil for you to grow in. We should pray, Lord, grant me a pure heart. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This means that our heart has only one goal, has only one aim, has only one desire. That desire is Christ himself. Now, our heart should also be loving. Our heart is a loving organ. We should exercise our heart to love the Lord, even to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Fill my heart with your love so that I might love you with my whole being. Then finally, our heart should be a heart at peace. This means that the conscience of our heart is cleansed by the blood. We continually exercise to confess our sins to the Lord so that he can wash away our sins and we can have a heart at peace toward God and at peace toward one another. If we exercise to fellowship with the Lord to maintain a soft, pure, loving, peaceful heart, our heart will be a heart full of faith. And with this faith, we will enjoy the all-inclusive Christ as our good land. It's really interesting in this example of David with Bathsheba, the level and degree of repentance was a proof that despite the gross sin, belief was fully intact, even to bring him to such a point. And this gave God away. Exactly. David was full of belief, and God forgave him fully. What's even more serious than David's sin is an evil heart of unbelief. We want to stay away from this in every way. This is a sober warning. Thank you, Ed. Let's go back to Witness Lee for more of our life study. After so much talk about the promise in Psalms 95, all of a sudden, the writer of this book says in verse 12, For the word of God is living, operative. And this word operative in Greek is the word of energy and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit. Why, all of a sudden, the writer says the word of God? Because that promise in Psalm 95 
is the Word of God. Every time the Word in the Bible must be the Word of God. How you know that you touch the Word of God, not the printed matter? By realizing that the Word you read is living, is energizing, is operative, is operating, and it is also sharp to divide your mixtures in your being. If the Word is not living to you, not energizing you, not operating within you, something wrong. That is not the Word. That is the printed matter. The Word is God's breath. It is the outflow of the living God. So the Word has to be living, energizing, and working, dividing not only our soul from our spirit, but also dividing our different thoughts and different intents. We have our body. This is our outward organ for us to contact the outward physical material world. And this is signified in verse 12 of chapter 4 of Hebrews by bones and marrows. Then within our body, there is the soul. The soul is just yourself. In Matthew 6 and 26, it says, If any man loses his soul, then the same sentence repeated in Luke 9.25, which says, If you lose yourself. You compare the two verses, you can see the soul is just the self. Your being, your personality, yourself. This soul is composed with the mind, will, and emotion. Then, in this verse, you have also the thoughts and intents of the heart. What is the heart? The heart is just a composition of a part of the spirit and all the parts of the soul. Men's three parts corresponding with the three sections of God's temple. It's quite meaningful. Man is tripartite, and God's tabernacle is also of three sections. The outer court, the holy place, and the holiest wall. First Corinthians 3.16 says that we are God's temple. We have a body that corresponds with the outer court, and our soul is somewhat a little inward, corresponding with the holy place. It is not so open as the cord to the open air. Then in the innermost of our being, we have the spirit, corresponding with the inmost part, which is the holy, holy in the temple or in the tabernacle. These three parts. Ed, this is very striking. In the midst of the serious and sober warning to God's people, the divine revelation in Hebrews inserts this portion linking the living and operative word of God with the parts of man. Why this insertion, Ed, and why this connection? 
This is a very good question, and what we need to remember is that Paul's burden in writing this portion of the Word was that God's children would be brought into the enjoyment of Christ as their Sabbath rest. The good land of Canaan was considered by God as the Sabbath rest to the children of Israel. This means that what God wants to do is he wants to bring us into the enjoyment of Christ as our all-inclusive land so that he can be our perfect peace and full satisfaction. Now, when he writes this verse, he writes it in this context. So he tells us the word of God is living and operative. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to divide our soul from our spirit. Why is it in this context? The three parts of our being correspond to the three parts of the land in which Israel traveled. Israel was in Egypt. They were brought out of Egypt into the wilderness. And finally, God brought them out of the wilderness into the good land. Egypt can typify our body. In Egypt, you have a lot of lusts, a lot of pleasures of the world. That relates to our body or our flesh. Then they went into the wilderness. Our soul is a wilderness. When we are wandering in our mind, this is like wandering in the wilderness. But lastly, they entered into the good land of Canaan. This is the good land of our spirit. Christ as the spirit lives in our spirit. And our spirit, with Christ indwelling our spirit, is today's good land. Well, how can we enter into the good land of our spirit? The Hebrew believers were wandering in their mind. They were wondering whether to linger in the things of the Old Testament or to cross over into the reality of the good land in the New Testament. How can God do this? We need his living and operative word, sharper than a two-edged sword, to divide our soul from our spirit, to usher us into Christ as the good land of Canaan in our spirit. A good way for us to do this is to take God's word and read his word with prayer. Ephesians 6, 17 and 18 tells us that we should receive the word of God by means of all prayer. When we do this, that word divides the wilderness of our soul from our spirit, ushers us into the good land of our spirit. This is what Hebrews 4, 2 speaks about when it says we need to mix the word together with faith. We need to take God's word, pray over the word with faith, And that will usher us into the all-inclusive Christ in our spirit as the good land for our enjoyment. May this be our practice, taking the word daily by means of all prayer. Ed, we have spoken from the beginning of this life study of Hebrews that to get into this mysterious book, we really need the keys. And today, this is a marvelous key to see this connection between this journey that the children of Israel took to our journey progressing from our flesh through our soul and ultimately into the good land of our spirit. This is a real key to the book of Hebrews, isn't it? Yes, it's a big key. Thank you, Ed. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of our life study. We must ask, why up to this point, the writer says, the living word of God pierces into you to divide your spirit from the soul. Why up to this point the writer says this? Just because the writer 
by that time realized the problem with those staggering Hebrew Christians was that they were wandering in their mind. They were also wandering in their soul. They fully neglected their spirit. But the New Testament is altogether a matter, not in the mind, neither in the soul. It is altogether a matter in our spirit. Because the New Testament is altogether heavenly, not earthly. Anything that is earthly belongs to the physical body, feeding in the thinking of the mind. Anything that is earthly just fits in the mental thinking. But the New Testament is fully a heavenly matter. Anything that is heavenly belongs to the spirit. You can never get into the heavenly things if you are not in the spirit. Ephesians 2 says, we are now seated with Christ in the heavenlies. This book eventually comes into a place, the gate of heaven. In this book, you do have the house of God, Bethel, with Christ at the heavenly ladder. Wherever Bethel with the heavenly ladder is, that is the gate of heaven on earth, with Christ joining the earth and heaven and bringing heaven down to the earth with all the ministering angels ascending and descending. Where we could see such wonderful view and where could we enjoy such a rich sightseeing? In our spirit. In our spirit. The gate of heaven today is in our spirit. Amen. Based upon Ephesians 2.20, that God's habitation today on this earth is in our spirit. Plus, 2 Timothy 4.22, that Christ, the heaven letter, is with our spirit. God's habitation is in our spirit, and the heaven letter is also here in our spirit. So our spirit is no doubt the gate of heaven. Hebrew brothers, don't stagger anymore in your mind. Get out of that. Get into your spirit. Here is the house of God. Here is the heavenly Christ. Here is the gate to heaven. Ed, we have really seen a lot in today's program. At the end of this third section, we heard once again about the gate of heaven, which we first saw in the last study of John. Then again, we spent much time on it in the last study of Genesis, and now it appears again in Hebrews. And the context of its appearance today was in the midst of the parts of man, particularly the human spirit. Review this matter for us once again, Ed, especially with what you were taken with. I'm glad you asked me to review this because this is a tremendous revelation. Later in Hebrews, Paul tells us, he says, Let us come forward with boldness to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace for timely help. Well, how can we come forward to the throne of grace since the throne of grace is in the third heaven? The key is our human spirit. Why do I say this? 
It's because Ephesians 2.22 tells us that our spirit is God's dwelling place, God's habitation. 2 Timothy 4.22 tells us the Lord is with our spirit. This is where he dwells. If you go back to Genesis 28, where Jacob saw a dream of a ladder joining earth to heaven and bringing heaven to earth, he said this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And we know from John 1.51 that that ladder that Jacob saw was Christ as the Son of Man. He is the heavenly ladder joining earth to heaven and bringing heaven to earth. This place where heaven and earth are joined is the house of God. What is the house of God according to Ephesians 2.22? The house of God is our human spirit. Our human spirit, therefore, is the gate of heaven. How can we come forward to the throne of grace? Our human spirit is connected by Christ as the heavenly ladder to the third heavens. And this heavenly ladder, who is Christ, brings the throne of grace into our spirit. We do not have to wait to go to heaven. Our human spirit is the gate of heaven. When you enter into your spirit, you are in the third heaven. This is tremendous. So what do we need? We need the living and operative Word of God that's sharper than any two-edged sword. We need to take His Word by means of all prayer with the exercise of our spirit. Then we are ushered into our spirit, which is the house of God and the gate of heaven, where we can enjoy the heavenly Christ as the all-inclusive good land to be everything to us, specifically to be our Sabbath rest, where we enjoy Him as everything, for our perfect peace and our full satisfaction. This is tremendous. Our spirit is the house of God and the gate of heaven. Ed, this is tremendous. We can access the throne of God through the gate that's in our human spirit. This takes a rather obscure and abstract spiritual notion and makes it something ever so practical and experiential. Thank you for your fellowship today, Ed. Come back and join us very soon. Thank you very much, Chris. It was a great privilege to be here for this program. The Life Study of Hebrews will continue once again tomorrow with Witness Lee. For Ed Marks, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.